Hello and welcome to the ILO's Future of Work podcast. In this programme, we'll be focusing on a key ILO report that looks at recent developments in the world of work and projects where these might go next. That's the ILO's World Employment and Social Outlook Trends 2023, better known as WISO Trends. It's a detailed and comprehensive report, so with me to unpick some of the findings and the projections is Stefan Kuhn, who is Senior Economist and Lead Author of the WISO Trends. Stefan, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Let's start with the key points of the report. It's a big report, there's a lot in it. What do you think are the most important takeaways and concerns? I think there are three key points that we have to take away from this report. Um, Number one is that the global employment growth is projected to decline significantly. So it's going to be at only 1.0%, which is less than half from what we had last year. And the big problem is that we, especially emerging and developing countries, were still suffering from the effects of the COVID-19 crisis and they have not yet recovered fully. And now we are seeing a a slowdown, and so they also will not be able to recover from the impacts of the COVID-19 crisis, given this new slowdown. Um, Secondly, um, and as a direct consequence of this economic slowdown, is also that the the quality of jobs is likely to decline. Um, Because um, in emerging and developing countries in particular, people they often don't have an option but to gain some kind of employment and when the uh, when the when when there's an economic slowdown and the the possibilities to have a good quality job are going down then they will have to settle for a job of worse quality in high income countries um as well the what we're likely to see with the high inflation rates that uh, real wages they have already been falling in 2022 and uh, the trend might continue next year as well so that's also going to affect their quality. And the third point is uh, is related to global labor productivity growth, uh, which has been on a declining trend since decades in high-income countries, but we are now also observing um, a declining trend in emerging and developing countries. And in low-income countries, we can see the report finds that actually there has been no convergence at all in terms of labor productivity, which means that the gap with respect to high income countries has remained high for the last, just as high for the last three decades. And it's a problem in multiple dimensions. I'm a bit confused by this issue of of job quality, because we see a lot of reports that employers and businesses can't find the staff. Now, you would assume that if you were having a problem with recruiting people, one of the ways you get around that is that you improve your job offer, be that in the level of the wages or just general other aspects of the quality of the job. So so what's going on here? How come we have an issue with job quality and at the same time we have a problem with apparent problem with people recruiting? I think we have to be careful about the the extent the scale of the problem of recruiting. Um, In most of the countries of the world and for most of the labor force in the world, there's actually no problem. Uh, There's an abundance, no, there's a lack of jobs, a lack of good quality jobs. Um, So that's one thing. It's um, in emerging and developing countries, nobody is going to say, no, I'm going to wait for another job that's going to be offer flexible hours and everything if, if you can't make ends meet. That's, that's not going to happen. And in, in high-income countries, 
yes, in 2021 and 2022, businesses have been struggling a lot. But given the, the high inflation and the, the prospective monetary policy path, which intends on creating a recession, um, there's there's going to be a turnaround in labor markets that that um, well there's going to be less job offers and uh, and in that case again um, the workers they're not going to have the bargaining power anymore. One of the um, the topics that you spend quite a lot of time on in the report is the issue of the informal sector. Um, what has happened to that because that is traditionally associated with poor quality jobs. Um, indeed, the the informal sector um, is still um, it's still very it's the dominant form of employment in the world. I mean, we have two billion workers are informal in the world, and um, that the number the, the share of uh, informally employed has come down between two thousand and four and two thousand and nineteen. So that was a positive trend, but um, with the with COVID with the recovery and COVID, that share has actually gone up again. So the, the the incidence of informal employment has increased again, and um, and again with the uh, with the upcoming economic slowdown, um, it's hard to see how that should be declining again significantly. And we want the the, the trends we are seeing are way too slow to get uh, anywhere to, to to get decent work for all uh, in, in the very near future. There hasn't been that much drop, as you said in um, in employment. Unemployment hasn't actually risen that much. But what has happened to working poverty? Because if you take somebody out of unemployment and then put them into a job on which they can't actually live on, you haven't really solved the problem. Um, indeed, working poverty is a major problem in the world, um, especially also given that the, the sustainable development goal number one directly states to get all people out of poverty and um, unfortunately in low-income countries the number of workers that are living in extreme poverty has been rising not only during COVID but also before COVID as well and it's very simple math if the number of people is going up then you're not going to reach zero. So uh, sustainable development goal number one it doesn't look promising at the moment. Not at all for ending world poverty by 2030. Okay, um, well, let's have a look at one of the, the, the key factors in doing that in wage levels, which is that one of the things we've seen is rising inflation. If you are on a wage and you cannot get a wage rise that matches inflation, you are going to get poorer. Is that is that a global factor that we are seeing? Um, well, to some degree, probably. Um, we have to say that Globally, um, 45% of people are not wage workers, but they are self-employed. So that's one thing already that, um, for, 40, for a major part of the global population uh, workforce, um, they don't have a wage. Um, but um, yes, so wages, um, inflation, the inflation has been rising a lot over the last uh, two years. And um, it has come as, as a surprise to some degree. Uh, especially in high-income countries who have, that have been used to low inflation, and the, the institutions to adjust wages to those rising inflation, they have essentially disappeared because since for 20 years you had low inflation, then that doesn't happen. So, so workers have lost out a lot in terms of real wages. And businesses are going to lose out, aren't they? Because if you have uh, 
if real wages are lower, people buy less, that reduces demand, reduction in demand affects businesses, and so you have a, a downward spiral. So, so how do we break that? What do we do? How do we deal with it? It's, it's true. We, it's one of the reasons why we, we are likely going to see a, an economic slowdown or even recession in quite a few countries. Um, so one is that the real wages are falling, which uh, takes out bargaining power. And the second part is as well that central banks um, are likely going to raise interest rates uh, quite a lot again to, um, to depress economic activity. Um, how do we get out of that? It's very complicated. We um, workers, so, so policy is about uh, protecting people. And uh, most, um, what we have been seeing now is that uh, there was a, a shock to inflation, a push to inflation, which came from supply side factors. Um, businesses have increased their, their prices as far as they could. Not all of them could, especially small and medium enterprises often could not. Um, so, but corporate profits have been going up, but uh, workers um, are losing out in terms of real incomes. And um, now the, the policy solution to rising inflation should not be to tell workers, please do not raise your wages um, so that we, that we can lower inflation rates faster because um, it's, not about, uh, it's not policy for people, it's policy for businesses in that sense. Um, we need social dialogue which, um, so that we can figure out how to equally share the burden of the rising inflation and um, so that we can, um, well, get inflation rates down again in the... In the and in spread the pain a little. And spread the pain a little. Because at the moment, the pain is very much concentrated, not only on the workers, but also actually, as I understand it, on, on the poorer, more developing countries, because inflation affects poorer people more. Is that correct? Yes. It, it depends on where we have the inflation, but we, we had a lot of inflation on energy prices and on food prices, and uh, those poor people... It's the, the bulk of what they're spending, their money, their income on is, is on those. So it does affect them a lot. So the, now there's a lot of um, talk in the report about productivity um, and the fact that productivity has been actually slowing over the last couple of decades. So a fall in productivity is, is not in itself new, but it it now seems to be spreading, the fall in productivity seems to be spreading from the advanced and developed economies into the more developing economies. H- how has that happened and, and what are the consequences? Indeed, we, we are seeing that uh, emerging major emerging economies have, have uh, experiencing declining productivity growth. And um, it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint the reasons. There are probably a lot of factors could be related to technology, investment, uh, reducing returns to capital, a lot of factors. Um, but um, the, the key for, for emerging and developing countries in general, but for the world overall, is to, is to obtain sustained productivity growth. And to get sustained productivity growth, it requires both technological but also societal trans- economic transformation, but also societal transformation, whereby I mean that actually, well, it's, it's about systems of learning, of, uh, of education, of um, that society is, is ready to advance, to progress and to, to generate. But of course, that, that, that's a long-term thing. If you invest yes. in somebody's education today, you may not get payback for like 10 years or 15 years even. Um, I mean, I think the other thing that's, that's stuck out in this report is that it mentions a number of times the issue of uncertainty, the uncertainty of both the political and the economic environment. And of course, that, that, 
that discourages people from making the technological investment, doesn't it? Um, absolutely. Businesses, if they want to make investment, the, the most important thing they calculate is, okay, what's the return that I'm going to have? And when there's uncertainty, the return becomes less because the discount factor becomes higher. And uh, so they're going to be a lot less likely to make certain investments that they would make in a, in a more certain world. So um, we have uncertainty comes from a lot of factors, but we have to try to reduce the uncertainty as far as we can. And um, an important part of reducing uncertainty is much more international cooperation and um, well, also to, to resolve those geopolitical conflicts that, uh, that are driving uncertainty. Do you, do you think we should take a, a lesson from COVID here where it was said that, you know, one country cannot recover from COVID unless all recover? Would you say that there's a similar sort of situation here with the, the economic problems we see at the moment? Absolutely. We live in a globalised world. Um, economies are highly integrated and um, we cannot have, um, well, we cannot um, progress on in respect of decent work focusing only on one country. It's, it's an international endeavour and we have to tackle it together, yes. I mean, it's a very concerning picture in this report, and I, I don't like to leave people feeling too depressed. So give us something positive that we can pull out of this and, and, and look forward to. Um, what surprised me quite a bit was actually that the, the projected increase in unemployment that we have is, is fairly small. I mean, we're saying it's around 3 million, which does sound quite by quite a few people, but uh, if you compare that, for instance, to the global financial crisis of 2008-2009, global unemployment went up by 20 million. During COVID, still a lot more, more than 30 million. So um, it's it's much less. And the reason is, in high-income countries, that um, well, businesses are trying currently still trying to find workers. That's probably going to change because there there will be some impact on unemployment. But businesses are not going to let go to the degree. As, uh, the workers that they have struggled so much to find uh, now during those years of recovery, uh, just when demand for it. So employers are going to think twice about about getting rid of workers. They may be looking at some more sort of form of flexible employment I- instead. Yeah. And I suppose that that's an advance, yeah? Yes. And I think the, the, the second thing is with the COVID, a lot of countries implemented some sort of employment retention schemes. So the institutions exist now and they will continue to function in the future as well. Well, that, that, that's at least something positive to end on, and we need, do need to leave it there. Um, it's a huge report, there's a lot in it. So if you are interested in finding out more, you can find it on the ILO's website. But for the moment, that's all we have time for in this podcast today. My thanks very much to Stefan Kuhn, who is lead author of the WISO Trends Report. And for now, it's goodbye from me and the team. Please join us again soon for another edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. Thank you.